Welcome to another episode of GER Cafe. I'm your host, Lainey Dixon. I am very excited for today's episode and to be joined by the always lovely Sarah Romoslowski. Now, if you've been around games user research for a bit, you are very likely to know, or at least have seen a talk or two for that matter from Sarah, as she has a whole wealth of experience, both in games and out. As always, I had a great time sitting down and learning from her. As a little bit of a note for today's episode, we did experience some slight audio issues related to our internet connections. So please be patient with us. It's 2022, but we don't all have fiber internet. And I really enjoyed our conversation too much to scrap this one. We probably could have talked about a whole lot of different topics, but we hope we you enjoy what we've got in store for you today. So we've got a lot to chat about. Grab your favorite drink and let's jump right into today's episode. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Can you please introduce yourself to our lovely listeners? Sure thing. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here as well. Thank you, Lainey. So yeah, I'm Sarah and I'm currently a staff researcher at Coinbase and um, I'm focusing on research for their design system. And in the past, I've worked uh, quite a bit in gaming. So I've worked on, um, in the past, I worked on the Siftio cubes. I worked on uh, Pogo.com. And I also uh, built a user research program at Glue Mobile. So right now, I think the way I think of it is that um, rather than focusing on like leveling up systems and gear systems and, and character design systems, I'm focusing, focusing on things like user research for error systems and things like that. Which is still quite relevant. I think it's, but I think that's what's interesting when we were kind of first chatting a little bit about this episode. Um, I think that's what's really cool is you have this kind of shared experience of kind of games and then kind of, I guess, traditional user research, I dare say, I guess, kind of, um, which I think is really interesting. And I think that's going to be great for the topic that we wanted to discuss today, which is user research strategies for beginners. Uh, so some relevant background information. I like to, uh, when I'm thinking about topics for podcasts, I like to think about kind of what's going on with my team. What are we working on? What are some of the struggles that we're having? And right now we're talking a lot about building strategies. So when I discuss building a user research strategy or a roadmap, uh, this very often starts to feel overwhelming for our more kind of mid-level or junior researchers on my team because it's hard for them often to envision what a user research strategy should look like as opposed to uh, what I like to refer to more as kind of like test strategies, these more kind of bite-sized um, segments of time, I guess, uh, that they're often much more used to when they're on kind of a more junior level. But I like to start discussing, thinking about building strategies with these folks to get them kind of in the habit of taking that step back, uh, looking ahead to the future and thinking about where's our project going and how can we help them get there, basically, you know. And so many on my team that are progressing, they're leveling up their experience and I want them to start learning more about thinking more strategically. So kind of outside of a single test or kind of outside the test room, if you will, if we were in person running tests and really translating that into building a user research strategy or at least thinking more strategically on their projects. So you gave a talk at Grux Online uh, a few months back now, and my wheel, the wheels in my brain have been spinning ever since, thinking a bit about strategy and how we can kind of build this and maybe how we can um, condense it down a little bit for beginners. You know, where do we start? How do we turn this into something that feels a bit more manageable? So, Sarah, first things first, can you help me out? <laughs> Sorry, thinking a little bit about defining kind of what is a strategy kind of within the context of user research, kind of what are we talking about? Sure. Yeah, I think that's a great summary. Um, so I, first, you know, we have to just sort of think about like what is strategy and what is being strategic and strategy in, in my mind is just, you know, being informed on so that we have information to know what to do next. And 
uh, you know, for research, you know, that could be um, informing what to do next on, you know, what to build, like the whole product roadmap, like the whole suite of products that a company might be making or a, um, a portfolio of games. But it can, you can also ladder up and down uh, when it comes to strategy, because it's also just maybe knowing what to do next for like your research plan, as you mentioned, or knowing what um, to do next for feature form um, uh, a strategy for marketing. So, you know, being strategic in your user research means that you are thinking about um, helping teams, you know, making those informed decisions. So you want to, you know, be really thinking ahead. It's it's sort of that chess game uh, to make sure that teams can get the information they need to feel really confident in the designs and the decisions they're making. Yeah, 100%. I like this chess, the chess analogy, but yeah, I think it's, it is that kind of more longer term look, I guess. And I think sometimes I feel like people get a little bit scared, like, oh, strategy. It feels like this very kind of like daunting thing where it's like we're we're doing this on these kind of smaller bite-sized pieces with uh, tests, and but it's more kind of thinking over the longer term, kind of where where things are looking in the future. And I mean, but it's still very focused around a lot of the decision making and things like that that we do look at kind of on more short term. So while we were initially discussing the idea for this episode uh, a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned something that stuck out to me um, and you said, just saying, just saying, I want to be more strategic. That's it. You're doing it. You're getting started already. And I think that's a really important kind of mindset shift that can occur is when you start to just like, okay, I want to be more strategic. And it's kind of like checking that little bit of that box because uh, I think it can feel daunting. Um, but I want to break it down even a little bit further because so how can we start to think about being more strategic before we start thinking about building a formal strategy? Sure, yeah, I think um, we can start first by just saying, you know, to ourselves, you know, I want to I want to do that strategic work. Like you said, it's just 50 percent. Uh, it's getting yourself 50 percent of the way. And then that sort of gives you the, the, the initial confidence and, and the, the, the call to action to perhaps, you know, start talking to your stakeholders um, about, you know, what's really important to them. Um, and it means that you know you can take you can take that initial curiosity that you usually bring to say talking to your your players and and bring that to your stakeholders. And so that's sort of the first step. And 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 you can you know share with them. You know I want to I want to build plans that can help you make informed decisions. You know beyond just you know small small changes, you know, within the game that we're evaluating. And, and rather, I want to help you uncover, you know, big um, uh, insights that you could use, you know, maybe down the road. And also, perhaps you could use, like, forever. A lot of that kind of discovery and problem space work gives you insights that can be leveraged beyond just one single project. Um, but it's really taking the time to listen to your stakeholders, like the people, you know, like your the game design team, you know, the product managers, and your 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 marketing team, and and to just say, you know, what's what's keeping you up at night? What are things that you sometimes think you're leaving to assumption that perhaps research could help you with to to innovate and and make programs or um, new features. Uh, that that you feel more confident that the the players are going to enjoy that that might cause more conversion and things like that. Yeah, I I love that sentiment of kind of like taking that curiosity that you use when you're having those interviews and kind of flipping it around, right? And I think that that's what I think is really interesting. It's like we all know this process of like digging through the why of questions when you're running that one-on-one -on -one interview with your player, right? And like 
turning that around and really kind of posing that back to the stakeholders to really try and understand like it's the same process and thinking through yeah it's like like you said like what's keeping you up at night like what are the things that you're concerned or worried about right even if you feel really confident in the general idea of the game that you're working on there they likely still have some questions or lingering doubts or concerns and I like that idea of just kind of taking that curiosity and kind of just listening and being there and kind of maybe help drive that conversation. Yeah, exactly. Because then you start to uncover those those bigger research questions. You know, those those things that your your teammates and the people who are leveraging your insights are thinking about or are or what's gonna allow you to say, oh, now I sort of see that we're trying to, you know, sort of uncover, uh, you know, motivations of players or, or learn, um, you know, beyond just practices for um, things, you know, really understand what, what makes for a really meaningful uh, experience. Yeah, and I think that it's what kind of allows us to be really successful in this space is that it lies, like it, lies really well with our skill set of kind of going in, asking questions, being able to sit with them and try and understand, um, okay, where are we going? What does that mean? And it's not just you as a researcher sitting in a room by yourself thinking, okay, I need to build a strategy. <laughs> and right. it's yes. not just you kind of like, because I think that's where it gets really intimidating for a lot of people, but it's like, well, where do I even start? Totally. So, so I think that's a really good point. You know, you're, you're not building these strategies on your own. And I will say, I think the, one of the things that was a game changer um, when I was um, working in a previous role was what caused the, the full, you know, research team to just be more strategic really came, you know, we innately wanted to do like more strategic work. Like we just were like, hey, you know, we can do work beyond just evaluative research. But what really was the catalyst was actually finance coming to us and saying, okay, like no more of this, you know, you know, it's the middle of the year, you're asking for like this big budget for this project, like let's actually think and plan ahead. So it was the maturity, it wasn't just like the maturity of the research org, What's a catalyst? It was sort of the majority or the maturity of the business overall. And that was also just really validating too, to just be like, oh yeah, this is, this is important work. It's important to take the time to talk to our, you know, talk to all of the teams we were supporting. And that's, that's a necessary step to doing the work. And so it, that was really confident building because we knew, hey, this isn't just a need for us to be more strategic. This is a need for like the business so that we can plan ahead. We can ask for, you know, headcount if we need it. We can say, oh, it looks like that like a year, you know, six months to a year from now, you know, we might need to be doing um, a different kind of research. Therefore, we're going to need to kick off, you know, finding a new vendor, like, you know, now rather than waiting. Um, and therefore, you know, um, you know, not deliver delivering insights in time. So that's what that was really great. And and so we worked with a lot with finance even to sort of think, okay, at a high level, how do we like what is the sort of data we need, like the intel that we need to bring to them to say, you know, this is the project, this is the budget. But to get to that high level view, you also have to really do the work to talk to the team. And, and each team worked really differently. So, you know, some teams kind of, you know, some of the people we were working with wanted us to kind of like give them those ref those questions of reflection, and then they kind of go and sit with them on their own and report back. Mm, okay. Whereas other teams were like, cool, like, let's like work on this together in real time. Let's, let's talk it out over coffee. And so, you know, really what you just want to start with is, you know, what's the plan? You know, what are you making? Are there new audiences that, you know, new player audiences? Is it not a whole new game? Is it, 
like a sequel? Is it just a new feature? So you can start to work with them and think about that goal is like looking one year out. I mean, you know, probably it's not five years out, but it could be five years out. But yeah, very well, depending on the scope of what you're looking at, for sure. Yeah, it's just sort of that quarterly planning and like getting into that quarterly planning cycle that was was super helpful for us. And and we just we just hadn't yet. And then sort of that change really allowed us to say, look, these are the things that we know you need to know. Let's actually um, mark off an allotted period of time where we can do some stuff that's a little bit deeper. And doing that work also helps you to see, oh, it turns out there's like two teams that kind of have similar questions and maybe yes. need to learn from similar people. So therefore, you're not just being strategic for like that particular team you're saying, oh, you know, I now can kind of like think um i can kind of like kill two birds with one stone i can we can do work that's going to be um relevant to like more than just one team and we can like give those insights to them and then you can um put more time and more cycles into that strategic kind of work yes okay i love this you said so many things that i want to like double back on no i know i'm gonna try and like catch all of the important parts my brain was like racing um yeah going back to like the finance thing i think that's a really interesting way to kind of think about like okay we gotta like figure something out here right and right. so it's sometimes it's not even just the researchers being like, all right, we're here. What do we do? It's sometimes the the team, you know, like maybe if you're with a more mature, you know, team uh, that is very accustomed to having research, maybe they're trying to build out their finance plan and really trying to look at like, okay, we know we want research, but uh, tell us what you want to do um, or kind of trying to figure out, you know, what are these kind of sparking points of saying like okay yeah we need to start thinking about the research but it's it's always really cool to think of all the different ways that those conversations can manifest like you don't i think yes. for me, i wasn't initially when we came into this conversation i wasn't thinking about it from like the finance angle but i'm like <laughs> yes of course this makes total sense that finance would come and be like okay justify your existence like why are you here what are you doing and i'm sure this is something that's very familiar with a lot of people and maybe on people that are smaller teams that have a much more lean research budget they really have to start thinking how do we maximize right and so when you were talking a bit about going into these conversations and being able to look at like okay i know you need answers and i know that you need some information here I want to chat a little bit about that. Like if I'm if I'm a researcher and I'm going in and I'm sitting down with my design team and, you know, the the producers and everybody there and trying to look at like what should I be looking for as thinking about like we should probably do some research here. Like is there anything that's like kind of stands out as being obvious of like those should be good times that research should be involved. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. So a lot of different ways to come at it. Um, I'd say, you know, one way is to sort of listen for assumptions. Um, so that's sort of the, it's like, there's like the passive way, like when you're kind of just in the room, then there's the active way um, to, to um, uh, have those, you know, initiate those conversations yourselves or yourself. Yeah. And so, so let's start with more of like the active way. Um, there's usually key moments like right in development cycles where you could say, oh, this is probably a time when I can make sure I have those conversations. Um, sometimes teams are really, really formal about it. They might be doing a whole full day offsite talking about their quarterly planning. And so yep. you might know, okay, Either I have the conversation for the offsite, you know, um, and and you could say, you know, do you do we need to present our recommendations at the offsite? Um, and sort of just sort of keeping in mind those quarterly milestones and sort of having, you know, you can put time in the calendar and just say, hey, we're gonna check in every quarter, you know, every three months 
to know what's changed, um, what you're planning, and, um, and then and then you can have those conversations and and then start to listen and therefore make recommendations to say, well, um, you know, if you need to be able to launch a feature at a certain date, then you know, you we need to work backwards from those goals, and then yes. and then there and then that's when you can start making the recommendations. You can really start building a plan, and and you can say, well, it's not you. You actually don't want the insights when it's launching. You want it before, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I feel like it's it's um, something that we did when I spent a lot of time working on Rainbow Six Siege and we had new seasons that kicked off every three months. So, you know, new seasons every year. Um, and so we were all the research team. We were always anxiously awaiting the season kickoff, uh, you know, talking about what was coming over the next uh, season um, that was going to be kicking off in development, which was usually about, you know, had a fair runway leading up, you know, about a year or so. And, you know, we weren't necessarily intimately involved in those conversations of like what was happening at the SKO with the season kickoff, but we got the presentations or we could go to the presentation and just furiously writing notes of like, okay, so we know that there's going to be like this feature. Okay. We got to go talk to this team and like ask them what they need and like, okay, it looks like it's going to be launching at this date. Okay. We got to make sure we're working in and it was us kind of furiously taking all of the notes and then going out and doing kind of that field work of chatting with the teams, you know, finding the product owners like, okay, so we know that you're working on the new operator that's going to be coming out. Like, let's talk about timelines. Like, what is your, where are you at? How are things going? Um, and we kind of worked our way backwards like that, like you were saying, really looking at, okay, so next year we know this feature is coming. So we kind of had our cheat sheet <laughs> of all of the different things and we could kind of just furiously run around the floor and find everybody that was working on things and be able to understand like okay this is your timeline and so we could kind of start looking at the time and then kind of dropping those pins of okay if we've got a new character then we need to be able to run some tests on their abilities making sure we've got usability testings in there and kind of dropping those things in if we were asking really complex problems or they were designing a character sometimes we would design you know workshops with consultants to come in and talk with them about um, the authenticity factors and inclusion with the character design um, and yeah I think it's it's an easy way to kind of see, okay, this is kind of what's happening. If you're not actively involved, like you were saying, you can kind of get that on the back end. Yeah, right. Yeah, and there's also just some very passive listening I think you can do as well. So, you know, hopefully, I guess like to like the hurdle too is to just, you know, research needs to be in the room. Yes. Um, at sort of, you know, maybe leads meetings or, um, you know, weekly check-ins, but you can also just listen for assumptions and, yeah. um, you know, I'm lucky I'm, I'm on a team right now that has like weekly work sessions. And, and so, you know, I, you know, I'm there and a lot of times just to listen and, and see and say, oh, you know, this might be an opportunity to test our assumptions. So you're just also listening for assumptions um, and, uh, you know, or, you know, sometimes we'll be in a room and people might make a, just like a blanket statement about a certain like uh, sub group of an audience. And so that might also be, you know, a moment to say, you know, hey, like let's actually check our assumptions and, and, and learn if that's true because that could actually help us and inform, you know, marketing strategy especially if it's, you know, around things like preferences or affinities to things. Yes. Um, if we're, if we're always, you know, making uh, decisions based on assumptions, you know, we might be making the wrong decisions. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love this kind of idea of that, you know, being present is, is part of the strategy, you know, it's like, it's not even, it's a very important piece to just kind of be there and absorbing how are they making decisions? Who's making decisions? When does a decision need to be made? And that's when you can really start to kind of get what those questions are that are coming out. And, you know, I try and tell my researchers, you know, you know, just get involved in the weekly design. You know, if there's a stand-up meeting or if there's weekly design syncs or, you know, whatever those kind of recurring conversations are, 
and you don't have to prepare anything, right? Just because you're going to the meeting doesn't mean that you have to be the ones doing any talking. Part of being a good researcher is just being able to be there and to listen and ask questions, not necessarily be the one to answer all of the questions. Yeah, I mean, I think even being um, being strategic or like having a strategic research or teams understand why, like why that is. And because, you know, they, they may need to just know like the sort of the nature of the role and like why we're, we tend, maybe we tend to go to meetings or certain meetings where we don't actually speak. Yes. <laughs> so we're just listening. And, you know, maybe, uh, you know, where, whereas, you know, other teams might be like understand that, that can also communicating that. And so, and sort of uh, researchers can even lean in and see okay well maybe there's a bunch of meetings you know getting to know a team and you start with just like going to a lot of them you can always like dial it back you know once yes, no one's going to be um like offended but just sort of the reasoning for why we why we need to be there so we can listen obviously you can't attend all of them so you wouldn't you wouldn't have time to do the research bits. um that is one way to to just you know keep your finger on pulse yeah and i think it's a it's an interesting way of kind of one, getting visibility for you as a, as a researcher, getting visibility for research in general. Uh, but then also, yeah, like you said, kind of getting the information, trying to understand what the goal is, right? Because kind of going back to this idea of thinking about, okay, how do we build this more formal strategy? And it's, yeah, it's what are we trying to do? what's the time like what's the frame of time that we're looking at right are we looking at for the next three months six months one year what's the end point and kind of trying to figure out okay we know where we need to end up at x point or x day um what are all of the steps and kind of things that need to be done, right? Like what are the decisions that the design team has to make? Do they need to be able to confirm validate like this specific feature is working so that they can move to the next piece to the next piece to the next piece and so that can kind of cue you into okay this is their deadline i'm going to make sure that i'm getting a test in x x days or weeks or months before that point so that i can help them because i see how important it is that they need to validate this specific feature before it gets into lock and so I want to make sure that I'm involved early enough to be able to, to kind of help them make those decisions. Totally, absolutely. Um, the other thing too, that, that you know, when, because, you know, you might be putting a lot of thought into those plans and, and you know, working backwards from those goals, um, you'll also be able to see where hopefully you can fit in um, the kind of work that could be even higher level and sort of what I mean by that is just that kind of discovery work where you're you're actually helping the teams kind of get out of their head and, and go beyond the you know the typical people they might be doing research with um, and maybe doing a little bit of discovery um, and, and to understand people like on a deeper level that you could potentially, you know, hopefully bring to those like brainstorm sessions. And so that research isn't just about like the, the evaluative um, questions, but research actually becomes part of the design process. And I think that's what, you know, yes. researchers really crave. Yes. Um, but we also have to be listening, like as we're listening and as we're going to those meetings, we also sort of you know, we can listen for those opportunities. And that also helps us know, oh, the team might be doing like a hackathon and they, or they might be doing like a game jam. And so um, if you know, oh, the game jam is gonna be like a month out, like wouldn't it be cool to maybe do like a little bit of, you know, problem space listening work with, you know, like an audience that the team's been super curious about or on a concept or a, like a topic that's really interesting. And then you could bring like insights back actually and have those as um, you know lenses for the, the game jam. 
Yes, I love this. Yeah, and this ties back into kind of some of the questions that were kind of kicking around in my brain when I was listening to your Grux online talk, which for anybody listening, I will make sure that I link so that you can go check that out. Uh, but in that talk, you specifically were discussing um, eight ways you can bring research strategy to your organization. Um, and you detailed out a lot of interesting ones, but one of the ones that even when we were chatting a couple of weeks ago, we were talking a little bit about kind of like the number one thing, right? Like with discovery research and kind of building this listening practice and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about kind of exactly how that could look, right? You're talking about the the game jam and thinking a bit about getting some information. Um, yeah, can you talk a little bit more sure. about kind of what specific instances you would feel like, okay, yeah, this is the approach that I want to take and kind of how that might look? For sure. Yeah. So um this is something I've been I've been I've been thinking about a lot and it's it's sort of related to this idea that um in order to do really strategic work and people who do like design strategy, obviously they're making these like artifacts, you know, you might be making like a service blueprint, you know, this is you know, sort of like taking it outside of games, you know, people are making personas or, um, you know, designing these, these, doing this big journey, these big journey mapping projects. But in order to do that, you have to do a lot of work to get there. And you have to talk to a lot of people, you have to spend time to think really deeply. And I sort of see like those artifacts is, is like, the way those kind of manifest in games, it's just, to me, that's just, that's the game itself. It's sort of thinking about the system and, and thinking about um, the characters or the story. And, but, but uh, that sort of tends to happen in this more creative space. You know, the issue about games is games are, um, games aren't necessarily utilitarian. So yep. <clears throat> the kind of like problem space work, you know, it's like, how do you, uh, like, what's the analog? But the value of just kind of having something like a user listening, what I'm calling a user listening practice, um, is that it's just, it's saying, okay, we're going to just talk to people uh, <laughs> over time. And, and maybe we don't even know exactly what like the final end goal is, but we want to discover something and uncover something that we wouldn't be able to if we're not having these like conversations because we want to sort of expand our horizons of of understanding like a, an interesting topic so, you know and I think like that topic could be sort of you know interest in food it could be you know costume cosplay like there's all these like wonderful things games are a way for us to just you know dive into the things that we're interested in and and um and sort of you know immerse ourselves and so like why not immerse ourselves in it so that we can help other people be more immersed but yeah. i think this i think sort of what we were talking about earlier it's like it can sound really daunting so it's like oh my gosh yes. i have to schedule like you know 10 people 20 people and i have to talk to them and it's really time consuming and also it can be exhausting like i love like user interviews but it can be exhausting right oh to, God, to, yes. to talk to people. so <laughs> yes. rather than just saying oh you know we we need to do this like in one fell swoop you can sort of say hey let's like let's spend like the next three months like talking to like a couple people a week or even just one person a week and then you sort of bring those things in, like bring those insights, those those um, you know snippets of of insight, and just sort of keep a running log of it. And then by the time you get to your game jam, you're just like, hey, here's all this stuff that we actually heard from people. It's not just from us; it's from a wide range of people. It then checks off other things for you too, and, che and checks off hopefully inclusivity, and keeps you know hopes. Hopefully, you're not just like putting. Uh, bringing only your own biases to uh, the game jam. So uh, I think that could be a really interesting way to sort of prioritize discovery, this idea of discovery, and also like how to actually how to actually do it um, in a way that feels sustainable. Yeah, I just I really like that. So I, we've talked on previous episodes of the podcast kind of about like research as a design tool. And I feel like this can sometimes feel 
ambiguous like what does that even mean mm-hmm. like how how do I even go about doing this and like this is a really excellent like somewhat time intensive but reasonably inexpensive way in which you can kind of bring new information to the table to really help inform the design but yeah maybe this is something that you're doing in between scheduled user tests or in between other evaluative research right evaluative research has its has its value and has its place and but it's really about finding those other opportunities and again yeah looking at kind of the strategy of creating a more comprehensive look at the different problem spaces and i think this is a really cool approach to kind of leveraging that i think that is doesn't take a lot of fancy tools doesn't take a lot of fancy resources i mean they help right but it's not it's something that you know even if you have a small team and you're feeling kind of like okay well what can i do where where do i where do i begin this it's this is something that's reasonably approachable to be able to kind of bring different ideas or context to the design decisions to the discussions around making these decisions which i think is a really cool way to get that increased involvement and yeah, move uh, to a more comprehensive look than just the evaluative. Right. And I think another thing that's cool is, you know, typically, you know, we, we want to recruit, you know, participants, but um, the, doing this, these kinds of like listening sessions or just, you know, talking to people about, you know, their interests and, and, and digging into those things. You can also do that with your coworkers. Because you might have yes. coworkers who like yeah. love games, but they're not actually the developers. But this is also a way to coworkers and and make it so that everyone at the company is like a game developer. You know, this is a way for you to just even build those bridges. And and so if it feels like oh, it's going to be really hard to recruit this this I don't know niche niche group of people, maybe start first doing these sort of um, ad hoc listening sessions with your, just with your teammates, you know, maybe like your teammates in finance or your teammates mm-hmm. in HR, maybe yes. they're playing games and, and it's, it's, it would be valuable to hear from them too. Yeah. And I think, yes, I love that. Cause I think it is something that we're Ubisoft, we're an enormous company. And especially here in Montreal, we have a lot of people. And so it's so nice to be able to just send out an email to the studio or send an email out to some people and be like, hey, can you come talk to us about this thing? And because you just never know, you know, yeah, your partners in HR, your partners in finance, facilities, IT, right? There's so many different groups of people and everybody kind of has this shared passion, especially when you're working in games, everyone's drawn to it, either whether or not they have that kind of label uh, or of game developer or game designer, people are still very passionate about it and you can learn so much by just, yeah, asking around people within your research lab, your research group, or outside of the research group. Um, Yeah, I love that. I think it's such an interesting way of thinking about new types of research that you can build into your strategy, which I think is always really kind of nice to add that into your toolkit. So when we're thinking a bit about kind of building out your strategy, right? Any other kind of pieces of advice that you would provide for kind of those just trying to get started? Um, Kind of what are some of the kind of the most important pieces they should could include or how to involve their partners more, anything? Sure, yeah. I mean, I guess you can talk a little bit about like, what does this even look like? Like what is to like what? Like what happens? What are the actions? And um, like, I mean, this looks like spreadsheets. It looks yes. like, um, it, you know, it looks like, uh, you know, the the budget, the cost, you know, the things. That's sort of what's sort of happening, sort of the outcomes here. But sort of before you get that roadmap view, I mean, you're essentially trying to build, you know, a roadmap and a plan, and. Um, 
and that, yeah, and that can be in a spreadsheet. It can be in a fancy tool, like, I guess, like Asana or something, you know, but it can also just be in a spreadsheet. And then I think too, what you can do, there's um, uh, another thing I love is in that there's a book called the user research team of one. And there's a, Mm. there's a table in that it's like a book by Leah Bewley. I think there's a table in there. It says like learning plan. And I sort of see the learning plan as the first step that you need to take to get to that higher level view roadmap. Because um, you want to know, you essentially want to know, like, from your your teammates, like the like what they're trying to move the needle on, right? They're like, okay, well, like the big goal this year is, uh, you know, driving retention or something, or the big goal this year is to make sure players who are still playing our game, um, us, you know, stay engaged and, uh, uh, and, and things like that. So, um, and then, you know, you can take the time to say, well, like, you know, why is, why, why is that? What do you think might be causing people to disengage? And, and then you can actually build sort of a learning plan around, you know, these are our beliefs. Like we believe like people are motivated and, and, um, and then you can say, you know, well, how confident are we in our beliefs? And then you can say, okay, now we know, you know, based on this like confidence analysis, we can sort of say, you know, we have analytics here to back up these questions, but you know, here we, we really need to do more digging. And that sort of helps you get sort of to the first step of like, okay, I think we need these projects because you can look at the questions and and say, oh, all right, you know, I think in order to, to help survey, and maybe we need to do this, and then you sort of get sort of the 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 low level view of like this learning plan by team, and then you can say, oh, it turns out like this one team kind of wants something similar to, as the other team, and then you can decide how you want to build your 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 roadmap view to sort of show, hey, like this project might be, you know, impactful across multiple teams. So that's sort of like the things you're doing, like the things you're building, and then you're, you know, you're having, you know, meetings, you're going back to the team and saying, does this, does this make sense? We talked about all these things. These are all the things you said you need to know. This is how I want to approach that that um, you know, do you agree? You're 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 getting buy-in and, and alignment, and and uh, there's also ways. You know, you can do that collaborative collaboratively as well. But like mm-hmm. typically, the final step is like that roadmap sort of spreadsheet view. Yeah, I love the the learning plan. Kind of starting it with it from there. I feel like that's a much more approachable digestible <laughs> way to think about because you're like, okay, strategy. Right, it's like, okay, right. well, what do we want to learn? What do we want to learn? And yeah. I love that. I think it's such a nice way of kind of breaking it down because it's easy for, it's easy to kind of go into that conversation with your, you know, your designers or whomever and say like, okay, yeah, what do you want to learn? Where, what's our yes. goal? What, what's our end point? And it feels a bit more digestible for people to be like, okay, yeah, this is what we were trying to do. And it's the same way I'm telling my team, you know, like what decisions do they need to make, right? Like when is, what, what are the deliverables? What are the due dates? What's happening on those due dates? What's happening within those deliverables? What are they trying to accomplish? And yeah, just start kind of like unraveling back from that kind of end point to get to where you are today and being able to think about, okay, this is where we want to end. This is what we want to learn. All these pieces that we want to learn, we're going to create, we're going to build out a project, whether that's some sort of evaluative test, a listening practice, whatever. We're going to put in all these different pieces of research to look at these specific learnings and how they build over time. And yeah, then going back and checking in with your partners and being able to explain to them like, okay, this is what I've gathered from our conversations. This is what I feel like I can help you with. You know, is this, does this make sense for you? Is this aligned with your timelines? And you can tweak, right? And then, and just because you make that plan and you put it in an Excel spreadsheet doesn't mean that it just gets 
stored away somewhere it can evolve and change just like games are evolving and changing and chaos ensues and from time to time it's flexible and you can you know add things here or there and you can maybe put in you know three main kind of gates over the next few months and then you have some downtime in between where you can think a little bit about like okay, I'm going to give myself some free time these few weeks and that's going to be my exploratory time. I'm going to go chat with the team, figure out what problem spaces they're kind of encountering and maybe do some little kind of guerrilla ad hoc stuff and build that into your plan as well. It doesn't have to be every minute of every day, rigid, right? For sure. <laughs> prescriptive plan. Yeah, I think too, like you were sort of saying, like how you were talking a little bit about like making sense and sort of checking in and the pivoting. And I think you you can always, at, at any point, I think a, anyone should feel confident that as a researcher, it's okay to always check in and say, I just want to double check. Is this the problem we're solving? And yes. know, this is the problem we're solving. Yes. And this is how we're going about solving the problem. And, and, um, there's your strategy. You know, I have to remind myself <laughs> too, to just be like, oh, wait, what is the, pro-? you know, what is the problem we're solving? And, 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 and sometimes it, you know, in games, it's not, it doesn't, it's not necessarily just like a problem, but you know, if the delivery, if, what are we trying to deliver? Yeah. And it's, a, it's a feature. What's yeah. the goal? Try to get that in writing, you know, and have that be your North star if possible, but know that the North star can also change because you're going to, as you're learning things, as you're going, working through the learning plan, you're going to learn things. And sometimes that North Star moves a little bit in the sky. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a really kind of nice way for people to kind of start thinking about, okay, what types of questions should I be asking myself? What types of questions should I be asking, you know, my my partners and my stakeholders that I'm working with and really kind of thinking about, okay, we'll start making that learning plan and start looking at kind of what questions they have and start thinking about, what are the problem spaces? And like you said, like, what's the problem? What are we trying to answer? What is, you know, what's our goal? What's the feature? When is it supposed to be done? And kind of keeping that kind of working backwards rather than always feeling like you just need to keep sprinting, right? It's like, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a projection, right? Like we're going to try and do these things, but inevitably when everything goes wrong, we at least can have an idea of, these problem spaces still probably have to be addressed, whether they get pushed three months or not. And so being able to kind of have that perspective to say like, okay, here's how I could potentially approach these different problems and kind of keeping that flexibility and thinking, yeah, like checking in, is this still evaluating the problem that we thought we were trying to to answer? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're running close to the end of time, but do you have what other final pieces of advice do you have to share for those that are kind of trying to venture out into building a strategy of their own for their research project? I mean, I say just, you know, I'm the kind of person that's like, okay, I just need to try, just try it. Um, just, Just get started, get started talking to, you know, talking more to uh, your stakeholders and building relationships. That's something that you'll have, that's a muscle you'll have to build, you know, and we're, we all continue to build and building relationships. And, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, being able to be strategic means that we have to understand the partners that we're working with. I think yes. really the, the first place to start is to just to start talking and, and communicating uh, to learn how to actually inform that plan. I'd say, you know, start there and and know that like you don't have to do, you don't have to apply every strategic method or, you know, every user research <laughs> methodology like right at once. And it's okay to just start with like sort of that communication and, and thinking about the plan first. And then over time, I think hopefully, you know, the opportunity to try new things will organically come up. But, you know, I think sometimes as researchers, we're like, oh, my gosh, we have to like, you know, we're like boiling the ocean, but it's okay to just, (laughs) which I I think, you know, we want to help everyone. We want to solve everyone's problems. Um, But, you know, just, just sort of getting that 
big picture view and starting there and just knowing like you already have just, I want everyone to know it's like, you already have what it takes to be strategic and you already have the knowledge to make the recommendations. And so it's just sort of like starting to practice that and building that plan first. Yeah. I love that. I feel like you had a lot of really like helpful pieces of advice, especially for just getting started. Cause I know it can feel really scary to kind of start like, okay, I got to like make some crazy presentation and this and that. And it's like, you know, you just, it's just start, start asking these questions, start listening, start trying to just think a bit, take a step back, take a step out of the test room and start thinking a little bit about where are we trying to go and yeah, we don't have to solve every single problem that needs to be solved, but really trying to evaluate, you know, where is our the best bang for our buck that we can really leverage our expertise and be able to identify maybe some interesting opportunities. We were talking about the discovery research, listening, and kind of different ways of in, invigorating research into yes. the the process of those that you're working with. I think is just, it's a really powerful place to start. And it doesn't have to be anything overly complicated, <laughs> even though sometimes it feels like it, it is, but it's really not. So Sarah, thank you so much. I had a pleasure chatting with you. We've chatted about this for a bit and I, I appreciate your perspective because you, you do have that kind of in games and kind of out of game experience. And this is something that you've spent a lot of time developing in the different roles that you've been in. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and joining me today. So sure thing, this is amazing. It's amazing always to talk to you, Lainey. <laughs> and I feel, I feel um, super honored to be on your podcast and I'm happy to talk about strategy anytime with you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Everyone, if you have questions for Sarah or myself, please let us know. We'd be more than happy to continue the conversation um, and help you out when it comes to kind of thinking about building that strategy for the first time. So Sarah, thank you so much. Uh, and we will see you all very soon.